Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome to another week and we are West Ham. You're listening to me, Charlie Hawkins, a sleep-deprived James Jones and Will Pugh. But we are ready to hit you with all the latest West Ham news and gossip. Still so much to talk about. And as always, not only the regular, the favourite, the tradition, the West Ham Rogue Players Mystery Players Quiz, but we are joined by a legend tonight, Tony Carr will be joining us in around 15 minutes' time, giving us his take on the season so far and a little bit of news that has come out in the last few days. And we're going to be talking that big news, talking about maybe it hasn't worked out for Jack Wilshere at the Hammers. What does he make of it? Rio Ferdinand revealing he regularly got drunk and doesn't really remember much of his time at the club, talking the sad news, Jimmy Greaves in hospital. And obviously, the big news in this pandemic, the player wage deferral statement. But before we start all that, we know you're listening at home, but the big news is we, we didn't know this, but we do now for sure because Spurs are listening. Guys, we dug them out last week, but they have actually gone back. They've U-turned on their furlough decision now. Unbelievable stuff. We do have a power. Let's get into that. And firstly, to welcome you both, Will Pugh and James Jones. Will, we'll start with you. A, how are you? But B, Spurs making all the right notes, finally. Yeah, yeah, I'm uh, I'm doing well, thanks, mate. Yeah, same as last week. No real, uh, no real developments. Running's going about as well as I thought. In that I've stopped. And uh, <laughs> yeah, other than that, um, no complaints really. Everyone around me is still fit and healthy and keeping well and safe. So that's all you can all you can ask for at the moment, isn't it? I think the old sporting news tended to dry up a little bit this week, which um, which stuff things starting to get a little bit dull until the West Ham statement on. Friday, but um, yeah, other than that, all pretty good, thanks. And no massive complaint. I'm going to lay off James and his physical appearance this week because, to be quite honest, he looks like he's had enough. He does look like he's had enough. I think I've looked better than the last previous two weeks, to be fair. Well, that's true. Uh, Well, that's coming from you, James. If anyone knows the barber that's open, um, then I'll, I'll happily take the drive and use it as essential travel. 
during this time to go and get my hair cut because as you can see it's in absolute state that is essential works yeah and i i shaved last last week um only for my beard trimmer to cut out um just as i was just about to do my mustache so i had to rock a mustache for a day until i could get a new one which i actually quite loved um but my wife didn't so i had to shave it off at the end of the day um and I've, uh, to be fair i probably look better then than i do now so um i look fine i feel fine yeah, I prefer. I always like it when you say you look fine and your voice goes up a couple of octaves. That always I'm fine. really. Honestly. Yeah, I'm fine. Honestly, it's really it's fine. I shaved it. <laughs> Sign of a breakdown. Honestly, people worry when's the football going to return? My main concern is how is James Jones getting through each day? And honestly, the look of you each week, it is a picture. James, we did mention Spurs last week. We had a little bit of fun at their expense. What did you make of that? And not only that, we've had a bit of other good news. We keep asking you to get in touch, you to listen. Give us a review. Let us know what you want to talk about. James, I want to start there because we have had some brilliant feedback and some brilliant views. And we've got a brand new way for you, the listener, to get in touch, haven't we? Yeah. I mean, when I was uploading, uploading the podcast last week, um, I thought, I'll just see whether we've had some decent reviews. Um, pretty expecting them to be all really, really poor. Um, well, I was surprised to see that. I'm joking with you, don't I? Yeah, I was going to say, that really, really upset me, that. No, no, <laughs> I thought we were all right. I thought, well, look, so maybe we got a few um, like, um, quite a while back, but I hadn't checked for, for months. And I was pleasantly surprised to see quite a few over the last few months, um, particularly a, a couple since we've sort of been doing it through this format and not on the radio, obviously, since the lockdown and, and stuff. Um, I'm just going to read a few out. One from Rollercoaster which came in, came in last week, uh, saying, excellent podcast for the season of West Ham United. Roller coaster ride as usual. The guys come across knowledgeable and friendly. I think you just meant me there. Um, more like having a chat in the pub. Remember those? Keep up the excellent work. We'd love to have a Foster's or a Rouge with you when we get back to normality, which I thought was quite nice. I think he's, uh, he's obviously tapped into your odd mix last week, James, of... Um... Of yeah, seeing off a uh, red wine early in the show and following up with a cheap can of Fosters. It was a bit uh, rags to riches or riches to rags. I'm not sure which way around. Um, I've got another. I've got another one here. Just to echo what James was saying. We do. Um, we do sort of. We enjoy. Lucky to that we enjoy what we do anyway. But um, I know we do ask for the ratings and reviews. So I do just want to say thanks for those of you who have already. It'd be great if uh, if a few more of you could could pile on to iTunes, Spotify, wherever you listen. Because uh, it does help us, and we see ourselves creeping our way up that visibility chart on iTunes. But I've got one here from Robbo. Uh, good listen. They give their personal opinions on West Ham, but don't ram negatives constantly down your throat. He obviously hasn't listened to any of the episodes I've been on, but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, which makes it a very enjoyable listen. Rogue quiz is all, always top notch, so that was good. Wilt's Hammer. Uh, thanks for making the effort to keep the show going. Always a good listen and a laugh for us Hammers fans. Uh, I've just listened to the latest and said to my wife that you'd really cheered me up. That's Wilt's hammer. And uh, yeah, I think I speak for all of us where we're sort of still having a laugh doing it and trying to keep safe. But there's those of us out there who are having, probably having a harder time than we are with it's family, loved ones or themselves out and still working and, and battling away on the front line where it really matters. So whoever it is, we do uh, we do appreciate it and, and keep letting us know your thoughts. But as I as Charlie mentioned, we have actually got 
new email address, James, because um, we figured it'd be best. We want to hear from the fans a little bit more, don't we? Yeah, definitely. I think uh, if anyone wants to send any questions in, we'll, we'll tweet out every week as well, sort of prompting people to send in any questions of the week, you know, any comments they want to make about what's going on. I know not, not a great deal is happening at the moment. Um, but it's uh, we are uh, we are Pod at gmail.com. It's we are Pod at gmail.com. You know, if you've got anything to say, got any comments about the show, any, any ideas, anything you want us to talk about, any, you know, any comments, any questions, then feel free to email mm. us. And we'll just let us know what you've been up to. Yeah, mm. yeah, you know, just know your health is as well. Uh, and you know, tell us if there's any barbers open anywhere in London for me as well. I'll re- redo some tips. And obviously, it, it took us a long time to come up with that email address, uh, and it finally was available. But please give us your suggestions. But let's kick it off then with the headlines and news. Will just spoke about Spurs U turn decision. James, they have made that decision, they've followed Liverpool. What did you make of it? Um, uh, it was, I'd like to say I'm too uh, late, the damage is done. Well, yeah, but the, the report that I first saw that, um, that, that broke the news. Sky Sports, and then it was like a comment section underneath, and I can't remember what the, who the journalist was that was commenting on it. Uh, it was like an opinion piece at the end of the story, uh, and he called he called Spurs brave for going back on oh. their decision, uh, and I just I couldn't believe how anyone could see Spurs as taking that as a brave decision to go back on their word due to pressure from their from their supporters. Um, I think it was the Tottenham supporters trust or community group or whatever it was that put, put the club under real pressure and led to Daniel Levy, you know, going back on his word. He probably wrote that through gritted teeth in the end because you could tell he's, you know, he really wanted to go ahead with it. But one thing I did find find quite interesting was he only said that their staff will be paid 100% for the next two months. Um, we don't know whether football is going to come back. Is his intention then to furlough people at the end of those two months, depending on where we are? I don't know. Um, but yeah, uh, I, I'm, I'd like to say I'm surprised, but I'm not because you know when football clubs come under that amount of pressure, um, you've got to act. We saw Liverpool do it. Obviously, Liverpool were very, very quick to do it. Spurs waited a few weeks, but um, they're just definitely not brave at all. If anything, it's cowardly to go back on a decision like that. And you know, I, I still think it's really, really poor from Spurs for the way they've acted. Yeah, I, I just one thing I do think is important to add here. You mentioned it there, James. I think it was the uh, the Tottenham Supporters Trust. But generally, I've got a couple of good friends for my sins who are Spurs fans and just normal people like us. And they were all like you mentioned it last week, Jamesy. They were all embarrassed. Yeah. It, is, it is an embarrassing move. And you meant you mentioned it. Obviously, we've got Tony Carr coming on a little bit and a man sort of close to the club and knows how things work. We're interested to get his thoughts on it. But I think. Really, you're you're hundred percent right. It's not brave. It's not brave. It's the the sensible, normal, moral, right, and just thing to do is what a lot of clubs have done and just ex- agree to pay their non-playing staff hundred percent up front. The idea that clubs who try and get away with it first and then go back and getting applauded, where the other clubs are just like, oh yeah, well they did it first, right straight away, is really mental. It's really off. But um, no, I, I think it's really good from the Spurs fans. I think absolutely right that uh, they put pressure on their club and they're willing to stand up and say, you know, this is embarrassing. Because ultimately, we'll all have uh, Tottenham friends or people we know who support Tottenham. And they're just like us. They love their club um, as much as we do and want their club to do well. 
and even if it is utter, utterly baffling that one could ever support Tottenham Hotspur, but ultimately, in a in a issue like this where it matters and it becomes a bit more of a you know uh, club rivalry or football rivalry, in a situation like this, just as West Ham fans would do, Spurs fans have stood up and said, "No, this is not on. This isn't the club we support." or we don't want to be represented in this way. So I think fair play to the uh, fair play to the fans, really, for for putting pressure on them. Yeah, and just like last will, when you mentioned uh, maybe some people were applauding Liverpool's decision, now happy that Spurs have taken this brave decision, but maybe wrong on both those accounts. And you mentioned that we have got legend Tony Card joining us. He's going to be talking a little bit about the news about Rio Ferdinand, Jack Wilshere. Let's quickly get our take on it now. Talking of those young players, news coming out. Rio Ferdinand saying that he was regularly smashed. You know, he would do 10-pint shots during his time at West Ham. And, he, and it's a bit of a blur to him, his time at the club. Bit of strange news. What did you make on it, James? I mean, I was surprised that a player like Rio Ferdinand would come out and, and say that sort of thing or, or even let that sort of thing happen. You know, he always comes across very professional. You know, one of the best defenders in the world um, at his peak. Um, so, yeah, it's a little bit um, surprising that it's come from Rio Ferdinand. He was involved in that sort of stuff, but equally not that surprised that that sort of stuff was going on during the time in which, you know, he was sort of breaking into first-team football. You know, I think he made his debut in 96. Uh, and that's sort of in and around the time when, you know, um, you know it, it, there was a big drinking culture. Maybe it's towards the end of that drinking culture, sort of in English football. You know, we all know about Arsenal. Um, you know, any you know, back in the eighties, there was a big drinking culture amongst players. So don't see much of it now. Um, but you know, it, what it takes is for, for you know for young players to be influenced. Uh, it probably happens now. Um, you know, we saw the likes of Revel Morrison and a few you know a few other players misbehaving. So yeah, I mean, it, it, it's surprising that Rio Ferdinand got involved, but it just shows you even even the most professional of players can get caught up in that sort of stuff. Yeah, he said, uh, it was, I, I must admit, I'll say, I was quite surprised to read it. It was an interview that Ferdinand did with The Guardian. Um, and he says here, you know, when people ask me if I have any regrets about playing, I wouldn't have drunk alcohol. When I was younger, I did. I was a lunatic. When I was at West Ham, elements of my career are a blur. People talk about performances and results at certain times. And I just sit and nod my head because I haven't got a clue what they're talking about. I don't remember. Uh, it was a different culture. It was crazy. And the culture I was in at West Ham was a drinking culture, football, drinks and nightclubs. That's the way it was. And that's the way I lived. He sort of mentions that it was only a bit later on in his career that um, he need, or sort of, he relied on his natural talent. It was only a little bit later on in his career, realised he needed to be more professional. But I think, uh, yeah, from, he admits, you know, he had so much natural talent, didn't he, Fernand? He said that at that young age, he could just, he could just rely on that. But I think now, ultimately, I think it's kind of good that he comes out and says things like that because yeah, we saw it with Grealish uh, the other day and him getting into a little bit of bother. And uh, I think with the, it's obvious that the young players are going to get involved in that sort of stuff, aren't they? If I think back to when I was that sort of age and you know you don't have that spotlight on you all the time, there are temptations as much as they enjoy playing football. There are temptations, but yeah, it was uh, you sort of always assume that Ferdinand was a consummate professional, don't you? It's not something that you'd uh, expect from him, but yeah, surprise man. We'll ask Tony about that when he comes on because he'll have obviously worked closely with Rio um, for quite a few years at the club. 
Yeah, you, you both have mentioned there you, you're surprised at, at Rio Ferdinand Sana. I'm a little bit surprised as well. And I'm not saying that Rio Ferdinand is necessarily lying about this, but maybe it has been a little bit embellished when you are now in the media, you're the punditry, you've got to give these sound bites, especially when there's no football. And you know what it's like as a young player. And maybe you go out and say, oh, we was out with the lads, 10 pints. Yeah, I was lagging. You had four pints in a packet of crisps. You didn't have 10. Yeah, I got talking to that bird. She, honestly, nine out of 10, she was a five, mate. 100% she was a five out of 10. It just feels like this for me with Rio Ferdinand. Is that, is that a little bit of fair? What I don't, he don't seem like the player, like lads, lads, lads. And he's trying to maybe jump on that. That sounds, that sounds like a personal anecdote, if you ask me, Charlie. I don't know about Rio. <laughs> I, I wish I could talk to fives out of ten, mate. I don't, I don't, that'd be, that'd be, a, it'd be a, an upturn in my form, that's for sure. <laughs> I, think, I think it's just it's just him being a young, impressionable footballer, probably earning way too much money that he can spend at the time, um, mm. and getting involved in stuff. And obviously, I suppose it's a different world that, you know, football, uh, being a footballer, isn't it? You know, we always hear stories about you know, how extravagant, extravagant the lifestyle can be, even back in the, the mid-90s as well. So, yeah, I mean, he probably regrets it now, as he said. But, um, yeah, it's, uh, I think it's just him being an impressionable teenager. Won't we all? It was sort of in that transitional zone, though, wasn't it, where football was changing. You had the likes of your, your John Moncurs and those sort of characters in the team. Neil Ruddock was still knocking around. You had those people in, but then you had the the Lampards of the world who were coming through and were ultimately dedicated to the profession. Sports science became a bit more of a big thing. Mm. It was on the overlap of that, wasn't it? So mm. it's not much of a surprise to move with the times. Yeah, from cigarettes at half-time to maybe more oranges uh, and a little bit more fitness and fruit. But another player that has really struggled as well, one that was touted for great, great things. And, you know, the English... Uh, uh, um, um, Messi, uh, Xavi was called at the time, Jack Wilshere, now at West Ham. He said it's not really worked out for him. No one needed uh, to, for him to tell us that, but he has always had that potential. Obviously, struck down with you know a wealth of injuries. What did you make of this admission, Will? Yeah, I think he's again. He couldn't really. He couldn't really say anything else, could he? Someone asked him. I think he's made sixteen appearances for West Ham. Since uh, since he joined in what summer 2018 wasn't it? So he just said, yeah, it hasn't worked out for me. I'll be honest, um, hasn't gone the way I wanted to. I've missed too much football. I wanted to get my career back on track, and I just want to do that now still and, and start to feel like a footballer again. I find those sort of signings very typical West Ham, and I think I think it's time. You know, if we can get rid of him in the summer, I think that's a sensible thing to do. What's the point of having him at the club? What's the point of having lots? I, there's lots of players that we've had like that in the past. I just, I, I just don't see the point. It's all very, it is very sad. And you know, Mikel Arteta uh, spoke about Wilshere recently as well, and what a player he could have been. And these, these things are all fair and very nice. And I get that. And it must be rubbish for, for Wilshere. But I think as a club, you know, it, it's just no point. It's just too much high risk gambles all the time with these players, aren't they? And what is the point of him having there? I do feel sorry for him just as much as, as anyone else does. Actually, probably a little bit less, so I can hear the tone in my voice. But I just think, yeah, it's, it's all very well saying all those things. Obviously, it hasn't worked out. And unfortunately, it's, it's a bit of a cutthroat business football. It's not like he's a West Ham legend. We don't particularly owe him anything. I just think, yeah, it's, it's, it's fair enough, but time to offload when we can, I think. 
I think, I mean, what he was saying was almost, I would have thought, a carbon copy of what he said when he first signed for us, you know, on the back of his injury problems at Arsenal and, you know, he did that, you know, injury-free season on loan at Bournemouth. Um, he was like, you know, he feels as though he's he's back, he just wants to play football now. Um, that obviously didn't happen. I don't think many people were surprised. Um, and I don't recall him really making any kind of impact when he did play. Um, I don't know whether that's the confidence thing or not, but um, I think you know if we're gonna we're gonna get any, let him go, then as Will said, you know, don't owe him anything. He's not he's not been an important part of the first team because he's he's already been involved in the first team, so we're not really missing much if he does leave. So um, you know, I wish him all the best. You know, I'm, I'm gutted it didn't work out for him because I was. Although quite sceptical, I was quite excited when we did sign him, thinking you know, if he can stay fit, he could be quite an important player, but obviously didn't work out. Um, yeah, risky signing. This one didn't work out, and I'm sure there'll be many more on the Golden Salomon in the future. Mm, and we're going to be talking about some of them as well, doing a little bit of a transfer roundup, talking uh, the big news, that player weighs deferral. But first up, it is the legend, and he does join us next, is Tony Carr. You're listening to We Are West Ham, still with me, Charlie Hawkins, James Jones, Will Pugh, and as promised, we've delivered yet again because we are now joined by the legend, the man himself, Mr. Tony Carr, former head of youth development at West Ham. Tony, really good to get you on uh, tonight's show. Pleasure for you to join us. Before we get on to the football stuff on where West Ham are at in this pandemic and this current crisis at the minute, Firstly, Tony, we have to ask and we have to start there. How are you and all the family? Yeah, all good. Um, my daughter's been tested positive and my grandson's been tested positive for the virus. And um, she's into her third, fourth week coming up now. So she's over the worst, I think, and she's got through it. The young grandchild, who's only uh, three, he, um, he was as right as rain after about three days. He was running around like a good one. So didn't seem to affect my grandson very much. But my daughter was in a real bad way, really rough. Really, really what, rough. Was that? So, um, yeah. Did they sort of pick that up, um, but like before it was a, a thing, or sort of before everyone knew how serious it was, or? Not really. I mean, it, obviously, it became very serious, and um, she'd been feeling unwell and not very well for a, a week or two, and um, spoke to one one one, and they just gave you, you know, isolate for a seven days, and didn't get any better. So she she went and paid privately for a, a test, and. Um, she had the test and they said, obviously, you've, I think you're over it now, but you've had it. But um, we, we sh I think we should test your children. So they tested her two children. One had it, one didn't. And, uh, and her husband, um, a few days lower, about a week later, he, he got tested and he was positive as well. Mm -hmm. So um, it must be the school run and in and out of school where she's picked it up somewhere. But um, as we speak now, I think they're over the worst and they're on the mend, hopefully. Oh, that is that is good news. That is good. That's the first person I've spoke to, to be honest, who who knows someone who's had it. Obviously, there's um, there's loads of it going around and stories of the like famous faces in football who yeah. who picked it up. But I didn't know. Um, I haven't spoke to anyone yet, let alone two people. It was worrying times, was it? It was. It was because she had this nasty cough that she wouldn't go, and obviously we couldn't see go to see her. We dropped some shopping round at the front door a few a couple of weeks back now, and. Um, she 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 looked she didn't look great but she she was okay so to speak but uh, two weeks on she's a lot better now she's ringing the wife daily and 
they're chatting away. So she's okay, thank Christ. But yeah, not worrying times for everybody. So, so Tony, let's move on to the uh, onto the football. Um, Rio Ferdinand's come out with some interesting comments over the last uh, over the last few days, saying that you know he used to regularly smash ten pints, uh, new shots, and a lot of his uh, West Ham career is a bit of a blur to him. I mean, is that something that you're surprised to hear about from from Rio, given that given the professional that he is? Yeah, very much so. That. Uh... His West Ham career is a bit of a blur. I mean, I, I can't believe that. He's, he's actually said that. But, he's, um, mo- moments, moments of his earlier career were a bit of a blur. He sort of admitted to, you know, there was a, he, he was part of what he called like a, quite a heavy drinking culture, which was common in football at the time. And, uh, uh, yeah. you know, he really wasn't as professional as he should have been. Yeah, I mean, my, um, I did hear stories regarding he was, knock, was, when he got into the first team environment, he was knocking around with... Uh, one or two of the sort of more senior uh, drinkers, uh, players at that time, you know, and um, and obviously they were leading him down the wrong path, and uh, it, it took him a while, maybe to get back, and it probably didn't take it until he got to Manchester United or Leeds, really, before that to uh, really sort of focus where he wanted to go with his career. But yeah, I mean, it's you know that's that's that can happen, can't it? You know, you've got the wrong people in, you know, you're in the wrong environment, and you. And if you're not strong-willed and you can get, you know, you can go along for the ride and it's not for the good. Yeah, it's sad to hear that, but it's all part of learning, I suppose. And he's he's come through it and then had a glittering career afterwards. But uh, certainly that there was a culture around that time. A lot of clubs in Arsenal were famously, you know, with their drinking culture and culminated in Tony Adams going to prison because of his drinking, etc. And um, yeah, so thankfully most of that's gone. I would, I would, I would say, but um, no, I, I didn't, I didn't pick that up actually from Rio actually saying that. But um, mm. yeah, interesting. He, he, like you say, he, he sort of he admits that he, um, he was lucky in a way that he could rely on his his natural talent. He said he would, you know, he would have quite a few nights out, and he was involved in that culture, and perhaps that um, I say he had enough natural talent that he could he could rely on that and that sort of got him out of yeah. uh, a few holes. Is that sort of something that I, I don't suppose that's a surprise to you working with him day in, day out? No, that, that wouldn't be a surprise. And obviously the age that he was, you know, he's fit. And even though he's had a night out, he, he, and he's, not, he's maybe had like five or six hours sleep instead of eight or nine hours sleep. <laughs> you can bounce you can bounce back from that when, the, when you're that age. It's when you get a little bit older, it becomes tougher and, you know, you may end up, relying on the nights out rather than your career in football. It doesn't surprise me to hear it, but I've not heard that before, I have to say. Tony, obviously you speak about Rio's glittering career. Also, in your illustrious career, you know, working with youngsters, they may have all the talent, the ability, potential in the world. But then when they do burst on and break through to that first team, they're in the spotlight, they've got exposure, their profile's raised, they have a lot more money, a lot more fans. How hard is it for them to sort of stay on that straight and narrow because it can be a tricky road. They may have the talent, but there's a lot of other contributing factors that maybe can see them fall on the wayside. And, and maybe a, a more recent name, Ravel Morrison, who was at, who was at yeah. West Ham, and it hasn't quite worked out for him. Yeah, I mean, it's, um, it's obviously a trap a lot of players can fall into and have fallen into. And it's um, something that's... I mean, I think today there's a lot more support within the clubs than there was, say, 20 years ago. Um, even 10 years ago than there was 
for, for young players in terms of the management of young players and their well-being and the, and the advice that they can get through their club, through the PFA, which has always been there. And obviously, the most important thing is the people you have around you. You know, your agents are very, very important. Your parents are very, very important. You know, your close circle of friends are very, very important. And unfortunately, what happens is when these players burst onto the scene and become superstars in their own right, they all, all of a sudden find they've got a lot more friends than they used to have. And uh, people want to latch on to success. It's in all, in all environments, in, you know, in, in the pop world, in, in, you know, in the acting world, in, you know, and in professional sport, whichever sport. Now, you're, 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 people want to latch on to success and you've got to be very, very level-headed and not get twisted and turned in the wrong direction. And I'm, I'm afraid some still do. Uh, we've only got to look at the recent antics of um, Jack Grealish at Aston Villa, you know, what, what a silly thing to get involved in. I'm not, I'm not, I don't know him at all and he's, he's probably a lovely lad, but, you know, in this environment, to get caught up in that, you know, was totally, totally the wrong message to send out to any young player and, to anybody at that particular time so no it, it can still go on and you've got to have proper proper people around you the right people around you that can can tell you as it is because your career will only last so long and it can end in it could end in at any time through through any particular injury or or being in the wrong place at the wrong time and uh, and, and getting up to to the, what you shouldn't do and you get a reputation and you become a pariah and people won't want to touch you so You've got to be so so careful. Tony, you mentioned Jack Grealish there, and obviously that's what it, you know. He went to a house party where he should have been self self isolating, and then obviously he got yeah you know, yeah. Do you think that you know we talk about sort of players potentially getting to wrong wrong crowds and um, you know, lacking a bit of professionalism at times? And do you think that this is particularly a, uh, a testing time for clubs to keep tabs on some of those younger players? You know, West Ham had to give. Declan Rice a slap on the wrist for going to play five aside with Mason Mount um, not long after, yeah. which his players got tested. Yeah, I saw that. Like that. Do you think that you know? Do you think this is a even more testing time so that for clubs to keep tabs on all of their players and know exactly what they're doing every moment of every day? Um, and you know, do, do you know of any any sort of strategies that clubs are using to sort of you know make sure that their players aren't um, doing silly things like going to house parties and stuff like that? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I can only speak from what I know, um, but certainly, if I was in charge of the academy at this point, my, the biggest problem I would have is how do I keep in touch with all the young players? I don't mean just the, the scholars, the eight, seventeen, eighteen-year-olds. Mm. You're talking about all the young ones as well. <clears throat> so it is a dilemma. But I know, speaking to the heads of coaching at other clubs just recently, that what they do is is twice a week they ring every player within the academy, every player twice a week. So they spend a whole day. Now, even if it's just how you're doing, how's things, even if it's just a 10-minute phone call. But certainly with the older players, you've, you've got to be more concerned with, you know, how, one, how they live in their life and are they keeping fit and have they got their training schedule and are they keeping to that training schedule? But I really don't know how you can actually 24-7 actually know what they're doing. You just, it's got to be on trust. You've got to, be, you've got to know your players. It's got to be on a bit of trust. But I think if you keep in constant contact, the club are still here for you. You know, we're here for you if you want us. Give me a call any time of the day, et cetera, et cetera. I'll be calling you at least twice a week, maybe more if you need it. 
Um, if you need any support in any other way with your family, et cetera, et cetera, you know, we're here to help. So I think it's important that the club send the messages out that they are there, they're in the background. We may, we all may have to be at home isolating, but um, we're certainly there on the end of a phone or at the end of a Skype or a, or a Zoom conference. That, that, that for me is the only other way because you can't go and meet them personally. That's impossible. Now, as you mentioned, Declan going to play five-a-side, that's probably just out of boredom. You know, what does he do? Come on, I've got to go, and do, I've got to go for a run, and he probably lives near these lads and says, come on, we'll meet up at, I don't know, wherever. We'll go for a little run and we'll have a little kick around. You know, I'm mean, thinking it was an innocent thing and keeping himself fit. I don't know the facts, but that's just me just surmising. Yeah. So I can see how easily they fall into those traps, but um, certainly it's a, it's a tough call. It's a tough time for all football clubs to keep contact with all their players, not only just the younger ones, the, the senior ones that, that may have gone abroad as well. Tony, one uh, one other thing, sort of in, in amongst a lot of the news that's been going on at the moment in football, it's not a coronavirus-related thing, but unfortunately, uh, news about Jimmy Greaves being admitted to hospital last week. You yeah. were at the, at the club for a long, long time, obviously, as uh, in the, the role most people know you of, but you were in and around the... Uh, first team squad for a period of time towards the beginning of your playing career as well. Did you yeah. cross paths with Jimmy at any any Yeah, I did. Yeah, I mean, when 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 uh, him and Martin Peters went across to Tottenham, Jimmy came to West Ham. That was in the sort of March time because the, the transfer deadline was third week in March, third Thursday in March or thereabouts. I can remember Jimmy coming in training with with you know with everybody and and in them days, Ron Green was manager. Rock John was the manager, but Ron was no, Ron was the manager, and John was there or thereabouts, and um, John Lyle, that is. And the youth team and the first team squad, I was youth team at that time. Um, we all used to train together. So often, you know, be in the same practices as Jimmy and be on the same pitch as Jimmy and in the same drills and practices that Ron and John used to put on. And, yeah, certainly I remember it fondly. And, you know, obviously on his debut was a, was a, a two-goal Jimmy Griggs who scored on every debut he made. It was fantastic. So it is sad to... One, that he had that stroke a while back, and two, that he's been admitted to hospital. They said it wasn't coronavirus related, which was good, but yeah. certainly, you know, with the condition that he's got, um, it, it, it's, it's worrying. It's worrying. Yes, certainly not a well Great man. bit of news I did hear was Phil Collins was helping him out to sort of make life a little bit more comfortable for him, which, was, which I thought was fantastic. I'm assuming Phil Collins is a Tottenham supporter. He is, lifelong, yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 So, yeah, sad news. Because he lives in Essex, Jimmy, yeah, isn't he? he lives in um, near Chelmsford, so he's probably Denver, in Broomfield Hospital or somewhere. I used to uh, I used to bump into him at the uh, at the Warren Golf Club in Danbury every now and then. I think he was a member. All oh, right, yeah, there. yeah, yeah, I know. Uh, yeah, um, the uh, one one last thing, Tony. Uh, the club announced on Friday uh, that the players led by Mark Noble um, are going to have accepted, sorry, a thirty percent salary deferral. Uh, while yeah. this, all this uncertainty is going on. David Moyes and Karen Brady have also accepted pay cuts, complete reductions on their salary. Um, what's, uh, what's your thoughts on that? Because different clubs have taken different approaches to this. Yeah. Obviously, you've been, you've been around West Ham particularly, but football for a long period of time, you've seen the money come in. What are your mm. thoughts on, on what players should be doing and what owners and just what everyone in football should be yeah, doing it, it, financially? It's a, it's a difficult one. I've been listening to some of the radio comments as well and trying to put it into sort of some sort of perspective that 
uh, for instance, British Airways have furloughed most of their staff, and, and I, I would imagine their staff is absolutely massive, and, and the profits they make every year, but no one bats an eyelid to say that BA or a furloughed staff. I do believe that Premier League clubs, this is just my personal opinion, Premier League clubs should should certainly not furlough non-playing staff. I really do believe they should, you know, that they're the people, that they're the, the lifeblood of the football club, the ground staff, the, you know, the youth coaches, the young youth coaches that, you know, not earning loads of money and, uh, and, and the footballers should, I think, maybe should make some gesture and a, and a 30% um, deferral of wages for three months or however long it is and, and, and the ball to, to take uh, pay cuts and the manager. I think that's admirable. I really do. And I have to sort of take my hat off to the board really in that respect that, that right from day one they've said they're not going to furlough staff. They're going to pay them fully. Uh, the players, I think, were waiting to see what the club's position was going to be financially in terms of can you ride this or can't you ride this? And um, I think that the club of David Sullivan, David Gold, have made a sort of £30 million injection into the football club to see him through this this period. Which I think you've got to take your hat off to them, to, to be honest, to, to, in, you know, in this, these troubled times. And um, I, I think they've done as much as they could do, to be honest. I really do. Yeah, obviously, a lot's being made of it at the minute. Other Premier League clubs, whether they've made the decision and a couple of uh, clubs have obviously done a U-turn on that decision, Tony. But we really yeah. appreciate you coming on tonight. And, and obviously, more importantly, hope you and all the family get better soon in their recovery and, and wishing them a speedy one at that. And hopefully, Tony, when football gets back up and running again, we can get you back on and, and look to whatever uh, that conclusion of the season will be. We really appreciate you coming on yeah. tonight. Interesting time that'll be. We'll be glad to talk it about it. <laughs> it certainly will, Tony. But we appreciate you coming on when there isn't maybe as much to talk about. But always to talk with you is a pleasure. So thank you. You're still with us on We Are West Ham. Will Pugh, James Jones, and myself, Charlie Hawkins. Well, what a delight that was for us. Genuine pleasure, boys, to be joined once again by Tony Carr. Someone we've had on the show before, but, you know, speaking to him then, his family even suffering at the minute in COVID-19, just what's going on with the club and some of those pitfalls those young players could fall into. But someone we just want to talk a little bit more about first because uh, try to give a little bit more of the picture is Jimmy Greaves. Will, what more is it, uh, can we say on it? Yeah, I think, uh, first of all, like you said there, Charlie, really surprising to hear about um, Tony and, and his family with coronavirus. Glad to hear they're, they're on the mend, but um, quite surprising. It really is touching everyone at the moment. But what a man to call a friend of the show, Tony Carr, saying thanks for his time again. He's an absolute legend. But yeah, Jimmy Greaves there, who Tony obviously crossed paths with. Um, he's, he's in hospital at the moment. He had a stroke about five years ago. And uh, I think Phil Collins, who's a lifelong Spurs fan, um, has been has made a substantial donation just to help him through. I think he's 80 now, Jimmy. And uh, yeah, his agent sort of said, look, he's not a well man, but he does appreciate all the messages and stuff. So um, I think he'll speak for all of us when we say get well soon, Jimmy, and uh, hope you sort of pull through as soon as possible. Yeah, 100%. Uh, not just echoing our thoughts but obviously all the all the listener thoughts as well and for you Santoni Carl what a what a delight it is to call him a friend of the show James we got to ask about Rio talk a little bit about Ravel Morrison and the whole drinking culture that surrounded 
players and teams in and around the 90s and into the early 2000s. Let's talk a little bit now, though, bringing it back to today's crisis, no football. There has now been a, a player wage deferral. What is the latest on that? Yeah, well, on, on Friday, the, the club had um, announced that, you know, the players are going to take a 30% cut. Um, and, you know, we spoke last week about David Moyes and, and, and Karen Brady also taking cuts. And uh, you know, I think it's... Um, it's the club have dealt with this really, really well. Um, you know, Mark Noble uh, and the players have agreed to it. Um, and, you know, as I said last week, you know, I was, I was surprised that the club have dealt with it the way they have and to, for the players to do it as well. It's just sort of further, you know, shown that, you know, they're doing the right thing. As Tony Carr mentioned earlier that, you know, they've gold and Sullivan and put next to £30 million into the club. We spoke briefly about it last week. Um, they're doing everything they can to ensure that everyone at the club who aren't, you know, all the non-playing staff are still getting paid um, while, you know, those on higher wages are, are sort of defer, deferring 30%. So, you know, it's it, it's admirable the way the club have done it. And uh, unlike, you know, some of the other clubs we've spoken about uh, who who've decided, who initially decided against it. So, um, so yeah, no, it's, it's really great for them. I'm sure Mark Noble was... Uh, being the, the guy that he is and the club captain was a, a real sort of big player in making sure that, that squad sort of pulled together and agreed to it. Yeah, so that was um, so the statement released on Friday. So it's Karen Brady and David Moyes and Andy Mollett, who's the finance director. Uh, they take 30% complete pay cuts. The players have deferred their wages. It's anywhere between 10 and 30%. The number's not certain, but it's believed to be around the 20% mark. Uh, for the whole period football's postponed and buried in the statement somewhere was there was a comment um, David Gold and David Sullivan have agreed to uh, defer the interest payment so at the moment West Ham United Limited owe as a company or a club owe David Gold and David Sullivan personally uh, £44 million and they charge a 4.25% interest on that every year which works out to just over 1.9 million quid in interest. The uh, loan was due to be paid in repaid sorry in full on January the 1st of this year but they deferred that again to January the 1st 2024 so that's another four years that money will incur interest and I've been doing some digging as part of my day job um so I won't can't exactly reveal the well, you're not a gardener now are you? No no no. Oh no, you mean actual that's right some financial digging and um yeah so i'm hoping that this time next week i'd like to be able to do it as a we are west ham exclusive but uh, by this time next week there should be a bit more detail on uh, some of the things the board are doing and around that uh, around their money financially um to help out but like james said there they did pour alongside other minor shareholders it's worth noting around 30 million quid via like a share repurchase system so no I do think like I say we've been quick or not quick but we've given out criticism where it was due uh, to the hierarchy at West Ham on this show this year um, and I think that yeah definitely certainly when compared to others um, but the, the the actions that they're taking on the whole have certainly been on the good side of the scale rather than the bad. 
Yeah, definitely. Trying to give that balance. And you've always gave uh, a balance for you on this show to both of you when it's been good and when it's been poor. But James, something that's not really gone away at all, even when there hasn't been football, we wasn't even sure. And we still don't really know if the season will be concluded. One thing that will seemingly never go away on Twitter and, and us talking about it, it is transfer news. We don't even know when that window will be open. But once again, West Ham linked with a, a number of players. What have you made of the players' links? Because there's a couple on there, and we spoke about the Wilshere signing, signings like that, but players who have maybe, you know, had a loss of form, suffered some injury problems, but who really had that talent and ability, again, linked with West Ham. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, the Mario Goetze, I mean, I don't know how much I believe in that, uh, believe in that one. That seems like a bit of a... It's just a typical, typical player to be linked with West Ham. Um, I believe he's had some injury problems at Dortmund. Um, <laughs> so, it would be very, very... Was once good, has played for some big clubs, probably yeah. won't be that good anymore, not really motivated. Oh, we'll have him. Yeah, go on then, why not? Yeah, we'll pay you 300 grand a week as well while we're at it. Um, yeah. That scored some massive goals though. Huge goals. He has, yeah, but I mean... The question you've got to ask is, why is he leaving Dortmund on a free if he's still pretty good? Um, I mean, if we get if we get him for next to no wages as well, you can't be turning those up at it. But that's not going to be the case. Uh, but Josh Josh Madger's an interesting one from is that how you pronounce it Madger Maya uh, Josh Madger yeah uh, from from Bordeaux. Obviously, he was at Sunderland. He, he moved midway through there the year they were relegated, weren't they? Was he making was it relegated from the Championship and he was making a bit of an impact? Well, uh, more importantly, he was uh, he left midway through Sunderland till I die season one. On yes, yes. Um, that's where I've seen him before. Um, yeah, and I mean, I don't know what he's done in France, um, but you know, ten million quid. I mean, I mean I, I, I comment. He, he looked pretty good in for Sunderland in Sunderland till I die. Till he was sold. <laughs> um, um, yeah. Uh, what his acting career? What are you judging him on now? James? He looks pretty I'm good in a Netflix show. Might have to look him up on IDMB and see see what his rating is. But uh, <laughs> but yeah, um, he, he did look quite good. I think I know some of them gutted that he, that he decided to leave them. But you wonder, you know, if ten million quid he's going to come back to um, come back to the Premier League or or, or England and, and make an impact. I don't really know what his impact's been in France. Um, but he kind of does fit the profile that David Moyes was talking about, wasn't he? That um, you know wants to bring young players in from the Championship or just young players in general. Um, so it, potentially it could be a good fit. Um, but yeah, uh, I mean those are the, the two big incoming rumours. You know, there have been a couple of outgoing rumours as well. You know what my uh, you know what my favourite transfer rumour I saw this week was Go on. Felipe Anderson to Napoli. Ah. <laughs> How great would that be, eh? Well, I saw that. <laughs> but you know what? You know what? I think it could be one of those as well where it sort of makes sense. For some players, They are own, their playing style is only suited to one league, isn't it? And obviously there are uh, football fans out there, James Jones, uh, who are willing to let Felipe Anderson carry on earning £140,000 a week at West Ham because he had eight good games last season. Um, mm. But for me, it's not really, uh, not really enough. I don't think he's that. He doesn't ever look that bothered, does he? That enamoured about being at the club. certainly this season when we really needed him, he 
he wasn't there in in the trenches fighting for the cause or for the fans or for the shirt. And to be honest, the last few when we started picking up a few results just before coronavirus wiped us out. He wasn't in the team. Moyes was had decided that had seen what me and very few other people seemingly had seen earlier in the season, that he's actually not that good. And just because he's the highest paid earner at the club and that he came in for a lot of money, he automatically should play. He realised that actually, no, he's, he's not pulling his weight. He's not contributing as much. Took him out of the team and shock horror, we started winning a few games. So, Lee Anderson back to Syria. Um, happy days about 35 million take the hit and then uh, pull in someone young and hungry that's what I think yeah and the last bit of news before we get on to that rogue West Ham mystery players quiz we said that that transfer news won't go away and something that just won't go away obviously journalists keep want to be picking up on it is the close friendship of Declan Rice and Mason Mann good friends now apparently Declan Rice admitting he'd love to play with Mason Mann at club level a rumour that will not go away, always rearing its head, James. What are you making of this one? Because obviously West Ham, Chelsea, it's just something that, have we got to put up with it? Yeah, I think what, what Declan Rice was saying there can only mean one thing, and that's that West Ham are going to sign Mason Mount in the, in the summer. <laughs> <laughs> um, because there's absolutely no way that Declan Rice is leaving um, to sign for Chelsea this summer. Um, Perhaps we'll use the Philippe Anderson money. Well, this is the problem I've got, Will um, Charlie, that 35 million quid for, for Anderson, given the current situation in football, right? no one is getting 35 million pounds for any player. Mm. It's just, yeah. you know, it, it's not going to happen. If we're going to sell Anderson, we're going to sell him at a massive loss. Um, and I think that's going to that's happen. I mean, we see like 200 million pounds for Harry Kane being floated about. No club spending 200 million pounds. Um, for, for the next couple of years because it's going to take time for club to recover. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm very sceptical about all these big transfer fees going around. But, you know, if that means that we can get that, uh, Mason Mount for a little bit cheaper than what we were initially trying to get him for, then happy days. You know, if it costs, him, costs us four million rather than 40, then we're laughing and we've got a really good young player who's best mates with Declan Rice in the starting 11 next season. Because um, Declan Rice isn't going. I refuse to believe that really could be a We Are West Ham exclusive, couldn't it? Mason, Mason Mount to West Ham. Well, I mean, I'm, I'm saying it now. It, it's happening. It's happening. <laughs> well, there you have it, James Jones. Silence after that kind of said everything you need to know about how rubbish that exclusive is. No, I just think when you speak, uh, James, me and Will listen, if you're saying that that is it, the authoritarian voice, then we're having it. It's done already. Get the shirt printed. But what is happening, and we are always ready to have that, it is the Rogue West Ham Mystery Players Quiz. And as I say every week, if you are listening and you are new, what a time to join because it is 12-12. But as always, Will will give us the update, the points. They are more important than ever. And it's coming up next. <laughs> It can only be that time again, the heavyweight moment of the show, the regular, the favourite feature. It is the Rogue West Ham Mystery Players Quiz and the scores, they are heating up. The tension is brewing because, Will, how does it stand at the minute? And are you ready? Have you once again found the minerals to get yourself back into this contest? Yeah, that's, uh, obviously we had Reese on last week. We actually got him on the show, Quizmaster Reese, friend of the show, and really 
the quiz as much as everyone seems to like it. It's their favourite part of the week, as it is yours, Charlie, as we all know, because you haven't got much else going on, unfortunately. <laughs> but, um, yeah, and uh, so we couldn't do it without Reese, but he came on last week. And I, I did listen back, and I must admit, I, I didn't come off very well, did I, after the defeat, blaming Reese for the awful questions. I mean, if anyone at home had actually heard or guessed Paolo Alves or Ragnarvald Soma before we eventually got there, I'll be done. <laughs> So in my request for the quiz this week from Reese, I did say, do you mind if we do some players that people have actually heard of this week? And uh, he, of course, I think, mm. I'm assured that he's, uh, he's done just that. But you mentioned it there, Charlie, the scores as they stand. James did actually claim the win last week, the third one on the bounce. So after a 12-9 lead, Jonesy has clawed it back to 12 all, And it's been a bit of a seesaw season like that. James has had convincing leads in the past. It is all to play for. But crucially, now we're drawing 12 all on game weeks. The points difference comes into play big time. And Jonesy is actually in the lead. 37-35 overall on points difference. We're, of course, playing until May the, 9- May the 19th, which is when just after the Premier League season would have finished. So it really is hotting up now. All to play for about a month left. And uh, yeah, but 12 all on game weeks, 37-35 to Jonesy on points difference. Well, James, it's level there, 12-12. You do have the lead, 37-35. Two questions, really. A, how are you feeling tonight? You must be feeling superior. You're on a three-game winning streak. But the second question, James, how do you feel about this sort of maybe, is it a little bit of cheating, a little bit of a steward's inquiry, will messaging Reese, easier clues, easier players, gamesmanship? How are you seeing this? Well, first of all, Charlie, I'm I'm feeling really, really good. Uh, my mates actually put on a, a West Ham quiz last night. There's about uh, ten of us involved um, over Zoom, and I I absolutely ran away with that. I think I was six points clear of the runner-up. Um, it was out of twenty-five, so I've had a bit of practice this week. Um, so, yeah. and uh, it, I, I'm feeling great as a result. It was a nice little friendly. Uh, came through that flying colours, 100% fit, ready to go, uh, and I'm not. I'm not too worried about um, Will texting, reach the quizmaster and asking for easy questions because um, it just shows that he's he's even more worried than he lets on. Um, with what four or five weeks left before in the season, um, if he loses this week, the pressure is really on. Yeah, I'm, I'm not entirely sure who I'm rooting for. I mean, you say you've done a quiz with friends me and Will wasn't invited so I'm gonna to have to rethink a lot about that situation James uh, it is 12-12 if you're just joining us if you're a regular you know the score three players five clues the clues get progressively easier as they go on if you think like you know it or you want to shout out a million names as Will Pugh normally does just go for it play along at home but guys for you in the studio fingers on the buzzers because this is player number one Clue number one. Play 45 times for West Ham. Clue number two. Played three games in the 1994 World Cup. Scored his only West Ham league goal against Sheffield Wednesday. Igor match. That is incorrect. Clue number four. Wore shirt number 13. Michael Hughes? Incorrect. Clue number five was a Cameroon international. Rigobert Song? 
incorrect. James, again, he normally starts slow. He has not thrown in any names. That is player number one. I'm going to give you a quick recap of those five clues. 45 games for West Ham. Played three games in the 1994 World Cup. Scored his only Hammers League goal against Sheffield Wednesday. Wore shirt number 13. International player for Cameroon. Titi Kamara? Smet. Nah. Incorrect. Do you want to bank this one? Yeah, we'll have to, mate. Right, again, what? The, the lads are struggling this week. Is it the no football? We're going on to player number two. We will return to player number one, but if you're playing along at home, have you got it already? Player number two. Finished their career at Leicester in 2008. A three-time winner in the playoffs. Signed for 125000 in 2005. Scored only once against Man City in 2006. Shirt number 26. And at this time, because we are getting a flurry of tweets and calls, and the main theme of it is, do Will and James support West Ham? Wow. A quick recap. Player number two. John Harley. Incorrect. Player number two. Finished their career at Leicester in 2008. A three-time winner of the playoffs. That is correct. And it is 1-0 to Will Pugh. Can he get the win? Because he needs one more player. But Will Pugh has taken the lead. But James, there's three players on offers. Two more. You can still come out with a victory tonight. But you need this one. And it is player number three. Maybe the easiest player of tonight. Played for four different clubs in England. Played only 13 games for West Ham, but scored three times. Left after only one season at West Ham. Played in Italy and Germany. Diamante? Incorrect. Scored more than three goals, Will. Three. And I don't think he played for four clubs in England. But the last clue is where I think you probably will get it to be ready. Nicknamed De Hammer. Hitzelsberger. Hitzelsberger. That is correct. James Jones got that first and it is 1-1. That is massive. I knew you was going to get it on that and it's 1-1, which means that tonight's three points, tonight's W is still at stake. It always goes to the wire. It's always a show and a quiz full of drama. Which means we go back to player number one. James, you want to say something, I feel? I think I know the first one. Do you want to go for it now? Because you know the clues already. Is it Mark Vivian Fowey? It is. And James has won tonight's quiz and it is 2-1 to James Jones. And that is unbelievable. He's not even had a recap. He's not even... We've banked it. He's stalled it. And that's what you do. That is what good quiz players do. When you say bank it, you still have to be thinking about it in your mind. Even though you're hearing a new player, Will's forgotten about it. He's let it go. He's come back to the bar and his drink has gone because James Jones is on a four-game winning streak. He leads 13 to 12. He also leads 39 to 36. It is an absolute chasm. It is massive. We go 
to uh, our commiserations, we go to the loser first. Will, you started so well. <laughs> oh. oh, I can't believe it. It was an absolute hair away from getting Hitzelsberger as well. <laughs> oh, this is devastating. Vivian he was 1-0 up. Mark Vivian, of course you should know that. Number 13, I, whether or not I knew he was Cameroonian or not, I don't know. But, ah, oh, no, it's, ugh, big defeat that, huge defeat. Three Massive. Points. I need a 3 nil win just to claw it back level. And at this stage of the season, it's not good. I know I've got answers in me, but mm. um, no, only myself to blame this week. Absolutely gutted with the Hitchersburg. I mean, obviously, with the delay on my... Wi-Fi. Oh, I can't believe it. I can't believe it. I can't no, believe I'm, it. I'm happy to go with uh, the fact that you think James said it first. James, never one to give you the credit. He'll say that he'll need to well, listen to him tomorrow. And he will, he will, uh, no, I'm saying you won't give James the credit. <laughs> He's blaming the connection. He's blaming the speed. He won't give you uh, the morale. What are you making of it? Oh, He's upset, isn't he? Um, I liken that that victory to the uh, the Man United treble winning Champions League game against Bayern Munich, where Bayern Munich thought they had it won, and uh, two goals in the, at the death secures it. Um, yeah, I'm I'm happy with that. I'm happy. You know, I'm four weeks to go, five weeks to go. I think it is. Um, yeah. Um, I'm, I'm happy uh, to claw to claw it for I was what three three game weeks behind. Oh, no, one ahead. James, I have to admit, I thought you was dead and buried. You are now in the lead. And now, seemingly, it looks like Will Pugh, you know, you're kicking him when he's down. He, he looks a beaten man, James. Yeah, I mean, I've been, as I said, I've, I've been training this week. I've been doing a lot of research. Um, Studying, taking it a bit seriously, if some, if you are some people. Well, you know, you know what? I, I let, mad, some people might say, but, you know, whatever. I was actually, I was actually doing a quiz um, at work. I was building a quiz. Oh, more studying. Right, OK. For a yeah, I know. Do you know what I mean? It's supposed to be a bit of fun. I was, I was building, a, as part of my day job, I was building a, a quiz for, for a website at work, and it was West Ham squad numbers. Uh, and funnily enough, um, I remember seeing that Mark Vianfo wore 13. And it took me a while to remember who was wearing number 13. And that's how I got it. See, it's just doing your research and just sort of just remembering these little bits of information, Will. You know, maybe you got um, I, I don't know how I feel about this, Will. I'm not sure if you've been watching the quiz on uh, ITV at the minute about Charles Ingram cheating on who wants to be a millionaire. But there's a bit of a, 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 a shady, murky feel about this for me, Will. There's no James. cheating. There's no cheating. It's just, you know, no. it's like saying that footballers that go training today, you know, are cheating. It's just, you know, practice. I think it, f- it feels a bit like, Charlie, um, I don't know if anyone's watched the English game on Netflix recently. Really good watch about the invention of football and how the FA, um, in the FA Cup in the late 1800s, was just an amateur game. And a team from up north, actually Blackburn Rovers, started paying players to play. And, you know, it just sort of goes against what the competition was about. Um, and that's pretty much what it's like here. It's supposed to be a bit of fun, obviously. Uh, I'm not sitting there studying week in, week out, going on Wikipedia looking at old squad numbers like James did. And some people might think that he does walk away with the points victory, that really it's a, it's a bit of a shallow and a, and a hollow one because he's taken it, as some may say, far too seriously. And it's a bit pathetic, but, you know. Yeah, well, well, as you can tell, not only is the contest heating up, 
But so is the war of words. The players, they get in their digs and their insults in. I'm going to let them just sort of sweat on that for a minute because there is good news. We always end on a good, uh, good note. And that good note is we said in the coming weeks we'd have some very special people joining us. And they are, Will, and we've got some, some brilliant ones lined up over the next couple of weeks. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, first of all, I know we've said it already and we keep labouring the point, but we'll continue to. Thanks again to Tony Carr, absolute club legend, and to uh, to have him regularly contribute to We Are West Ham like he does and he's done tonight and he has done on several occasions since we've been going. We really do appreciate that. But buzzing next week to have two uh, We Are West Ham newbies, We Are West Ham debutantes. We've got uh, another esteemed journalist. We've had Rashane Thomas from The Athletic, Jack Rosser, of course, Sam Incasol from Football London. Uh, next week, we've got Jacob Steinberg from The Guardian, very prominent West Ham reporter and supporter. Uh, Jacob will be joining us next week. And as well, two, four, another two former West Ham players, this time two former West Ham women in Molly and Rosie Kamita, the Kamita twins. Many of the West Ham fans might already be aware uh, of the two girls who play for West Ham and uh, they'll be joining us on pod next week as well it's Molly and Rosie Kamita so great one this week Tony Carr and one certainly next week to look forward to as well well absolutely well just before we say our goodbyes James I'll let you as the champion uh, just close the show give us the last word but as Will alluded to there some great work by you both for We Are West Ham and, and some great guests to join us and give us their take on things yeah, yeah, obviously it was great to have Tony Carr on earlier, but, you know, we're lining up the guests thick and fast. Obviously, next week's already, as Will said, is going to be a fantastic show with some great guests on. Um, already working on guests for future weeks as well. So, um, hopefully, every week we'll have someone interesting, whether it's a journalist, whether it's an ex-player, coach, whatever that might be. Um, but, yeah, as always, the, the message is, obviously, if you enjoy what we do, what we do every week, then please subscribe. Uh, tell your friends about it. Um, Share it with your mates. Uh, we're putting it up on on uh, the likes of iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, you name it, we're on it. Um, go follow us on Twitter as well at we are underscore West Ham. Um, and as we mentioned earlier, we're getting some great reviews. Give us a review uh, and we might read it out next week. Um, yeah, just um, just tell your mates about us. You know, we're, we're trying to put this on during no football and I think we're doing an all right job so far. Do you, do you think, guys? Yeah, absolutely. I think, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm still really enjoying it. And it's not like any of us have got anything else to do. Obviously, Charlie looks forward to the quiz and has done even when normal life was going on. So uh, I don't think Charlie's missing out on too many social events as a result of this pod. But one thing I think we will say, uh, as you mentioned there, well, we'd like to ask a favour, if possible, this week. Because, you know, a lot of podcasts, we all listen to more than one, I'm sure. And they will go on about sharing and rating and reviewing. We do need all that. But one favour we'd like to ask you this week, perhaps if you can, go to uh, whether it's iTunes, Spotify, whatever it is now, hit share and copy the link and just send it to at least one person you know who supports West Ham. If we can keep building the listener base like we do, we keep getting the guests back. We'll do our bit week in, week out. If everyone who's listening wouldn't mind doing uh, theirs for us as well, then we'd really, really appreciate it. But um, yeah, thanks for everyone. And I will just admit quickly, uh, while James was talking about his study in there, my Sean Newton answer was got because um, as the clue was read out, I couldn't remember. So I quickly looked to my right where I've got my celebratory picture of the uh, playoff winning team from uh, the Millennium Stadium when we beat Preston North End and I saw Sean Newton's head poking out the middle of it. So I think uh, bending of the rules on both sides for me and Jonesy this week. 
Is that you? Unbelievable. You've got a Sean Newton poster in your bedroom. <laughs> well, it's the it's the photo of all the uh, of all the team celebrating and doing the old champagne spray. Uh, assigned one of those from 2005, so it's one of my most treasured possessions. And uh, Sean Newton's head just poked up in the middle of it there. One of his most treasured possessions, and yet took five clues and a look around his room and a Google search to get it. But there you have it: Will Pugh, James Jones, and me, Charlie Hawkins. What a show! Tony Carr join us. We look forward to a hat trick of guests next week. Up the hammers. We will see you then. Sports Social Podcast Network.